Chapter Thirty Two of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Outside the window. Late on the following afternoon, Gabrielle was seated at the old-fashioned piano in her aunt's tiny drawing room, her fingers running idly over the keys, her thoughts wandering back to the exciting adventure of the previous morning. Her aunt was out visiting some old people in connection with the village clothing club. Therefore, she sat gloomily amusing herself at the piano and thinking, ever thinking. She had been playing, almost mechanically, Berger's Amoureuse Valves and some dreamy music from The Merry Widow, when she suddenly stopped and sat back with her eyes fixed out of the window upon the cottages opposite. Why was Mr. Hamilton in that neighborhood? He had given her no further information concerning himself. He seemed to be disinclined to talk about his recent movements. He had sprung from nowhere just at the critical moment when she was in such deadly peril. Then, after their clothes had been dried, they had walked together as far as the little bridge, at the entrance to Fotheringay. There he had stopped, bent gallantly over her hand, congratulated her upon her escape, and as their ways lay in opposite directions, she back to Woodnewton and he on to Undal. They had parted. I hope, Miss Hayburn, that we may meet again one day. He laughed cheerily as he raised his hat. Goodbye. Then he had turned away, and had been lost to view round the bend of the road. She was safe. That man whom she had known long ago under such strange circumstances, whom she would probably never see again, had been her rescuer. Of this curious and romantic fact she was now thinking. But where was Walter? Why had he not replied to her letter? Ah, that was the one thought which oppressed her always, sleeping and waking day and night. Why had he not written? Would he never write again? She had at first consoled herself with the thought that he was probably on the continent, and that her letter had not been forwarded. But as the days went on and no reply came, the truth became more and more apparent that her lover, the man whom she adored and worshipped, had put her aside, had accepted her at her own estimate as worthless a thousand times she regretted that step she had taken in writing that cruel letter before she left glencardine but it was all too late she had tried to retract but alas it was now impossible tears welled in her splendid eyes at thought of the man whom she had loved so well the world had indeed been cruel to her her enemies had profited by her inexperience and she had fallen an unhappy victim of an unscrupulous blackguard yes it was only too true she did not try to conceal the ugly truth from herself yet she had been compelled to keep walter in ignorance of the truth for he loved her a hardness showed at the corners of her sweet lips and the tears rolled slowly down her cheeks then bestirring herself with an effort her white fingers ran over the keys again and in her sweet musical voice she sang l'air de mer that pretty valse chante so popular in paris Voici l'air de mer, l'air de tendresses. Dis-moi les mots très doux qui vont m'aiguiser. Ah, prends-moi dans tes bras, fais-moi des caresses. Je vais mourir pour revivre sur ton baiser. Emportez-moi dans un rêve amoré, bien loin sur la terre inconnue, pour que l'on t'aime, même en rêvant les yeux. Ses rêves, 
continue crayons et mons vivants un jour c'est si bon mais si court bon air de vivre ici bas de manu dans un moment d'amour the hour of love how full of burning love and sentiment she stopped reflecting on the meaning of those words she was not like the average miss who parrot-like knows only a few french or italian songs italian she loved even better than french and could read dante and petrarch in the original while she possessed an intimate knowledge of the poetry of italy from the medieval writers down to carducci and dianzano with a sigh she glanced around the small room with its old-fashioned furniture its anti-macassars of the early victorian era its wax flowers under their glass dome and its gypsy table covering with a hand embroidered cloth it was also very dispiriting the primness of the what-not decorated with pieces of treasure china the big gilt framed over mantel and the old punch bowl filled with potpourri all spoke mutely of the thin-nosed old spinster to whom the veriest speck of dust was an abomination sighing still again the girl turned once more to the old-fashioned instrument with its faded crimson silk behind the walnut fretwork and playing the, the plaintive melody sang an ancient serenade di questo cor tu ma ferito il cor il santa copi pi non val mantre pensa che non sopporto pi il dorla e se si gui se vada al more ti tingo nella mente a tut le or se lavoro se lavilo o sto adorme e mantre adorme anacora un sono grato mi trovo tuco la crim bagnato while she sang there was a rap at the front door and just as she concluded the prim maid entered with a letter upon a salver in an instant her heart gave a bound she recognized the handwriting it was walter's the moment the girl had left the room she tore open the envelope and holding her breath read what was written within the words were dearest heart your letter came to me after several wanderings it has caused me to think and wonder if after all i may be mistaken if after all i have misjudged you darling i gave you my heart it is true but you spurned it under compulsion you say why under compulsion who is it who compels you to act against your will and against your better nature i know that you love me as well and as truly as i love you yourself i long to see you with just as great a longing you are mine mine my own and being mine you must tell me the truth i forgive you forgive you for everything but i cannot understand what flockhart means by saying that i have spoken of you i have not seen the man nor do i wish to see him gabrielle do not trust him he is your enemy as he is mine he has lied to you as grim circumstance has forced you to treat me cruelly let us hope that smiling fortune will be ours at last the world is very small i have just met my old friend edgar hamilton who was at college with me and who i find is secretary to some wealthy foreigner a certain baron de hetzendorf i have not seen him for years and yet he turns up here merry and prosperous after struggling for a long time with adverse circumstances but gabrielle your letter has puzzled and alarmed me the more i think of it the more mystifying it all becomes i must see you and you must tell me the truth the whole truth we love each other dear heart and no one shall force you to lie again to me as you did in that letter you wrote from glencardine you wish to see me darling you shall and you shall tell me the truth my dear love 
au revoir until we meet which i hope may be almost as soon as you receive this letter my love my sweetheart i am your own walter she sat staring at the letter he demanded an explanation he intended to come there and demand it and the explanation was one which he dared not give rather that she took her own life than tell him the ghastly circumstances he had met an old chum named hamilton was this the mr hamilton who had snatched her from that deadly peril the name of hetzendorf sounded to be austrian or german how strange if mr hamilton her rescuer were the same man who had been years ago her lover's college friend she had passed her white hand across her brow trying to collect her senses she had longed oh with such intense longing for a response to that letter of hers and here at last it had come but what a response he intended her to make confession he demanded to know the actual truth what could she do how should she act holding the letter in her hand she glanced around the little room in utter despair he loved her his words of reassurance brought her great comfort but he wished to know the truth he suspected something by her own action in writing those letters she had aroused a suspicion against herself she regretted yet what was the use of regret her own passionate words had revealed to him something which he had not suspected and he was coming down here to wood newton to demand the truth he might even then be on his way if he asked her point-blank what could she reply she dare not tell him the truth there were now but two roads open either death by her own hand or to lie to him could she tell him an untruth no she loved him therefore she could not resort to false declarations and deceit better far better would it be that she took her own life better she thought if mr hamilton had not plunged into the river after her if her life had ended walter murray would at least have been spared the bitter knowledge of a disgraceful truth her face grew pale and her mouth hardened at the thought she loved him with all the fierce passion of her young heart he was her hero her idol before her tear-dimmed eyes his dear serious face rose a sweet memory of what had been tender remembrances of his fond kisses still lingered with her she recollected how around her waist his strong arm would steal and how slowly and yet irresistibly he would draw her in his arms in silent ecstasy alas that was all past and over they loved each other but she was now face to face with what she had so long dreaded face to face with the inevitable she must either confess the truth and by so doing turn his love to hatred or else remain silent and face the end she re-read the letter still seated at the piano her elbows resting inertly upon the keys then she lifted her pale face again to the window gazing out blankly upon the village street so dull so silent so uninteresting the thought of mr hamilton the man who held a secret of hers and who only a few hours before had rescued her from the peril in which felix crail had placed her again recurred to her was it not remarkable that he walter's old friend should come down into that neighborhood there was some motive in his visit what could it be he had spoken of hungary a country which had always possessed for her a strange fascination was it not quite likely that being walters's friend hamilton on his return to london would relate the exciting incident of the river had he seen crail and if so did he know him these two points caused her the greatest apprehension suppose he had recognized crail 
suppose he had overheard that man's demands and her defiant refusal he would surely tell walter she bit her lip and her white fingers clenched themselves in desperation why should all this misfortune fall upon her to wreck her young life other girls were gay careless and happy they visited and motored and flirted and danced and went to theatres in town and to suppers afterwards at the carlton or savoy and had what they termed a ripping good time but to her poor little self all pleasure was debarred only the grim shadows of life were hers her mind had become filled with despair why had this great calamity befallen her why had she by her own action in writing to her lover placed herself in that terrible position from which there was no escape save by death the recollection of the whispers those fatal whispers of glencardine flashed through her distressed mind was it actually true as the country folk declared that death overtook all those who overheard the counsels of the evil one it really seemed as though there actually was more in the weird belief than she had acknowledged her father had scouted the idea yet old stuart who had personally known instances had declared that evil and disaster fell inevitably upon any one who had chanced to hear those voices of the night the recollection of that moonlight hour among the ruins and the distinct voices whispering caused a shudder to run through her she had heard them with her own ears and ever since that moment nothing but catastrophe upon catastrophe had fallen upon her yes she had heard the whispers and she could not escape their evil influence any more than those other unfortunate persons to whom death had come so unexpectedly and swiftly a shadow passed the window causing her to start the figure was that of a man she rose from the piano with a cry and stood erect motionless statuesque End of chapter 32